All right, Trebo Say, good morning, good morning. Let us begin, begin by thanking all of our sponsors for this morning's share to thank. Our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of Tishrei, Jerry and Sarah Walaski for dedicating all the Shomer Joshos this month. In the Schus for Shlema for Zechariah Dov Ben Peral Shira, Shandy and Avram Kelman in memory of their beloved parents and in the Schus of all those who need a Rafur Shlema. Dr. Linda Weinberg in loving memory of her husband of 53 years, Dr. Paul Weinberg, Peretz Moshe Ben Avraham David, Selma Wolf with immense gratitude to Hashem with Tfilos for health for all. In the new year, and lay a soul as a schus for a fushim for our daughter Ilana Bas Esther, and for all those in need of Yeshua's and refus. We open the merit of our Talmud Torah. All of those who need a refus should have one together with Kol Chole Yisrael, the Neshamas Shirat Naliyah, and the families in Nechama. But with that, let us begin a really incredible daf ahead of us today. Today's daf is Lamid Ches thirty-eight. 38, and we are picking up Emir Tzashem on Lamed Zayin Mabez 37b, and we left off, we left off Moshev the Kasav Rachmana Gabi Chelev Vedan, which is 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14. So just to, just to remind ourselves how we got here. Always good in life to remind yourself how you got here. So, as I say, so remember again, yesterday's daf already two days ago, we saw a machlokes ultimately between the Tanakhama, actually yesterday's daf, and Rabbi Eliezer about Chadash. Does the prohibition of Chadash apply in Chutzla Ares or not? What is the machlokes based on? It's interestingly enough, it's based on the interpretation of one word, Moshav. Tanakhama holds that Moshav hold, that Moshav means after the conquering and settling of the land. And therefore, again, ultimately, the prohibition of Chadash only applies in Eretz Yisrael, whereas Rabbi Eliezer holds that Moshev means anywhere you live. Anywhere you live, and therefore, the prohibition of Chadash applies even outside of Eretz Yisrael. This opened up then a broader machlogues in terms of how you interpret the word Moshev. And specifically, again, we saw many instances where the Torah uses the word Moshev, and again, that Machlokis is the Torah coming to tell me that this is a mitzvah that only applies in Eretz Yisrael, specifically after the land has been conquered and divided, or does Moshev simply mean wherever you live? So now the Gemara is going through some examples of where the Torah uses the word Moshev of Seichem, or Moshev, some form of Moshev, some form of Moshev, where clearly the mitzvah still applies everywhere, but yet the word Moshev must be used to teach us something. So for example, the Gemara says Moshev, so also the Torah uses the prohibition of uh, the word of Moshev in your habitation, in your dwelling, by the prohibition of Chilev Adam. Chilev is the prohibition to consume fat, certain fats of the animal. Dam is the prohibition to consume blood. There was an obviously, these prohibitions apply both in Eretz Yisrael and in Chutz Laaretz. If that's the case, why does the Torah use the Lashon of Moshev? Itzrich. So, it's needed why? I mean, I would have thought, Hoel, Ubein Yana de Kabanos Ksidi, since I was at the prohibition of Chalev consumption and dam consumption, of fat consumption and blood consumption, is written in the context of Karbanos. I would have thought as follows, Bismandika Karban Nisra Chalev Adam, Bismandaleka Karban Lo. I would have thought that when do the prohibitions of Chalev and dam apply? Only when there are Karbanos. When are there Karbanos? When there's a base Hamikdash. So since those prohibitions are written in the context of Karbanos, I would have thought they only apply when there are Karbanos. When there are no Karbanos, there's no prohibition. Kamash Baban, the Torah writes, Moshev, to teach us that what? 
wherever you live, those prohibitions apply. Most of the We'll say the Torah speaks about the, prob- the, the Torah uses the word Moshev by Matzah and Marer. So why is that? Why is that? I would have thought since the Torah says you shall eat the carbon Pesach on Matzah and Marer, I would have thought Bizman Ika Pesach in Bizman Dalaka Pesach Lo. I would have thought when there is a carbon Pesach, there is Matzah and Marer. And when there is no carbon Pesach, there is no Matzah and Marer. Kamash Malan, the Torah uses Lashon of Moshav to teach me what? Even when there is no carbon Pesach, there is still an obligation to go ahead and eat Matzah and Marer. That was, we happen to know that that's subject to a whole other discussion, but we'll just go with the Drush of the Gemara over here right now. Next, Bia, the Kasev Rachman and Gabit Petr Hamar Lamali. And we'll say, now, the Torah uses lotion of Biyav, entry into the land, by Tfilin and Petr Hamor. Now, we already established that what? Tfilin is a Chovas Aguf, right? Petr Hamor is a Chovas Aguf. So why, in other words, it's a mitzvah comment on the person, not on the land. If that's the case, why does the Torah, why does the Torah link, or why does the Torah use the lotion, the wording of entry into the land, when it comes to these mitzvahs? Ultimately, go ahead and do this mitzvah in order that you merit entering the land. In other words, I will say, by what merit do Klaud Yisrael have Eretz Yisrael? And the answer is, the answer is, mitzvahs. Mitzvahs. This is why I remember again, upon entry into Eretz Yisrael, who commanded us to write Torah on stones, Right? with plaster. We put stones with kalatarakula at the entryway to Eretz Yisrael. Why? In order to show us that our linkage, our connection, and our, and our cling to the land is only rooted in Torah. So it's interesting over here. Sigmar suggests, why does the Torah use Lashon of Bia, of entry into the land, when it speaks out Tfilin and Pater Hamar, to teach me that in the schus of these mitzvos, uh, we receive Eretz Yisrael. We receive Eretz Yisrael. I will say, it's interesting, by the way, what's the connection between Tefillin? In other words, why Dafka Tefillin and Peter Hamar and Peter Hamar for, for, for Eretz Yisrael? In other words, I understand the message. The message being that we get Eretz Yisrael in the merit of keeping mitzvahs. But why Dafka these mitzvahs? So I will say, it's interesting. Very quickly, what's the mitzvah of Tefillin? Mitzvah Tefillin right, has a shalyad and a shalrosh. The Marashah Masechus Brachas says very beautifully, what the Mitzvah Tefillin does is, the shalyad represents my physical abilities. Right? I wrap it on my arm, that, that's my physical abilities. The, the shalrosh represents my spiritual and intellectual abilities. Because the neshama is in the head, the brain is in the head. So, right, so the, the, the head is the seat of, of spirituality and intellect. When a person goes ahead and puts on tefillin, what they're doing is they're binding all of their kochos, they're binding all of their abilities to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I'm saying, this arm, this arm, this physical prowess, I'm going to use it somehow for you. This head that contains spiritual energy, that contains intellectual energy, I'm giving it to you. Tefillin represents taking of our kochos, taking of our abilities, and pledging to use them somehow in the service of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. What's Petr Hamar? So what is Petr Hamar's redemption of the firstborn donkey? 
Chamar, Chamar, which okay, is Danki, also is Lashon of Chumrius, also of materialism, of, of the material, Chomer. Let's say Petah Chamar means redemption of the material. What's the goal in life? You see, Judaism is not an ascetic religion. The beauty of Judaism is we believe, enjoy the material world, just use it for some type of higher, higher calling. Use it for the service of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Petah Chamar, redemption of the Chumrius, redemption of the material, is the process through which we elevate the material world by using it for sanctified means. So perhaps the Gemara is saying is like this. What merit do we have Eretz Yisrael? What merit do we have Tefillin and Petr Chamar? Through taking everything in this world and lifting it up and using it for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that's the schos that Am Yisrael has to hold on to Eretz Yisrael. We take our physical strength, we take our intellectual and spiritual strength, we take our material goods, and we use it all in the service of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's what gives us the schos to have Eretz Yisrael. The Gemara goes right there. Bishon, the land of Ramosha, Kamakom, Shadiyoshim, Mashma. So we'll say, I, according to the opinion, it says Moshe means anywhere you live. So, Hainu Dixiv, Vayochu me'avar ha'aris, mimachar asa pesach. So this is very interesting. So remember again, so at our core machlokis over here is how do you understand the word Moshev, right? What does Moshev mean? Does Moshev mean Dafkan Eretz Yisrael after the land was conquered and divided? Or does Moshev mean anywhere you live? So according to the opinion that says Moshev means anywhere you live, right? And therefore, again, for in this context, for example, the prohibition of Chadash, of consuming the new grain before the carbon Omer is offered, is, uh, is a prohibition that applies everywhere. So then the following makes a lot of sense. The Pasuk says, this is in Sefer Yoshua. So, we'll say, so the story over here that's unfolding is right as we enter into Eretz Yisrael. This is beautiful. Right as we enter into Eretz Yisrael, the Torah says, When we entered into Eretz Yisrael, right, we ate, after we ate, after we entered into the land, we ate of the new grain after Pesach. Pesach means the day after Pesach. Second day of Pesach, after the offering of the Omer. So the Gemara says, So ultimately, again, what you see is when Kral entered into Eretz Yisrael, they didn't eat the new grain immediately. They only ate it on the second day of Pesach, after offering the Omer. Alma, top of Lamechas, Akrav Omer, Vahadr Achol. So I'll say, you see that when we entered into Eretz Yisrael with Yoshua, the first thing we do, one of the first things we did is we offered up the carbon omer, right? And only then did we go ahead and eat chadash. Now, what does that show you? That shows you that the prohibition of chadash applies everywhere. Because obviously, when we enter into Eretz Yisrael and we're with Yoshua, that's before the land was conquered, that's before the land was divided. So it must be that the word moshav by chadash means. The prohibition applies wherever you are, and therefore is applicable even before we entered into Eretz Yisrael. But certainly, as, as we entered in, before the land was conquered and divided. Ella, Bosei Lamin Chesam Dal 38a, first line. Ella, Laman Damar, Acha Yerushavi Yeshiva. But according to the opinion that says Moshev means after you enter the land, conquer it and inherit it, right, and settle it, Nechol the altar, then Bosei that should mean the prohibition of Chadash shouldn't be in effect yet, right? The prohibition of Chadash shouldn't really kick in until after we go ahead and conquer and divide the land. If there's no prohibition of Chadash, then what can you eat? What can you eat? Whatever you want. 
whatever you want. So why are they waiting until the second day of Pesach, until the offering of the Omer, to eat of the new grain? To which the Gemara says, right, I'm sorry. So we'll say, the Gemara says, you're right, they didn't need to eat the new grain. So I'll say, so the Gemara is answering, the truth is, we can't actually draw any kind of conclusion from here for the simple reason, Klal Yisrael did not need to eat of the new grain when they entered into Eretz Yisrael. The new grain being the grain they harvested in Eretz Yisrael. Why not? The Chesilos is incredible. Ubenei Yisrael achlu es haman arba'im shana ad ba'am al Eretz no shavas. So we'll say, Klal Yisrael, eight man, eight man, for 40 years. So we'll say, so again, j- just to clarify the question, we're going back to our core issue. Our core issue is the word Moshev, right? It's all Moshev all the time. In other words, we'll say, what does the word Moshev mean? Two ways of interpreting it. Moshev can mean, Bechol Moshev Osechem, wherever you live, wherever you live, which means, again, that the particular prohibition will apply anywhere and everywhere at all times. Or no, Moshev could mean, only after you go ahead and enter into Eretz Yisrael, conquer the land, and divide it up. Okay? So now, based on that, the Gemara says, here's the, here, here's the story. Klav Yisrael enters into Eretz Yisrael under the leadership of Yehoshua. The Pasuk says, when they entered into Eretz Yisrael, they went ahead and they ate of the grain on the second day of Pesach. Nimacharas HaPesach. Nimacharas HaPesach. So we'll say, now, the topic is being specifically Dafka ate the new grain on the second day of Pesach and not before, and not before. What does that show you? That sounds like what's happening over here is they wanted to first offer up the carbon Omer before they ate of Chadash. What does that show you? The prohibition of Chadash applied to them. What does that show you? That the word Moshev must mean What? wherever you are, whenever you are, because obviously this is before they conquered and settled the land. So the Gemara is bringing this as a proof that Allah, the word Moshe, means wherever and whenever you are. To which the Gemara says, no, it doesn't. The reason they didn't eat of the new grain until the second day of Pesach was for a different reason. They didn't need it. They didn't need it. They didn't need any actual food until the second day of Pesach. Why not? Because they had man. So the Gemara says, watch this. So listen to this. So the Pasuk says as follows. The Pasuk says, no Shevis, sorry, no Shevis, no Shevis. So the Pasuk says, Klal Yisrael ate the for 40 years. Until they came, now here's what's interesting. At Eretz no Shevis. I will say, no, Eretz no Shevis Rashi means, Full entry into the land. Full entry into the land. Settled land, right? Until they came, and both say, Kitsay means the edge of the land. Now, the edge of the land means the Transjordanian lands, actually right before entry into Eretz Yisrael. So we'll say, so the Pasuk is inherently contradictory. So we'll say, on one hand, 
you can't say that they came literally into Eretz Yisrael proper because the Pasuk says they came onto the border of Eretz Yisrael. V'yav Shalom al Eretz Kinan, and you can't say they came to the border of Eretz Kinan. Shari Ne'emar Ad Bo'am El Eretz No Sheves. Pasuk says they came into the settled areas of Eretz Yisrael. So we'll say, so the, the Pasuk itself is contradictory. The Pasuk says, Klal Yisrael ate man until when? Until they came into actual Eretz Yisrael. Which I will say again, Rashi points out, all the way into Eretz Yisrael, right? In other words, on the other side of the Jordan. And then it says, they ate, they ate man until they came essentially into the Transjordanian lands, which is on the, ex- right before they crossed the Jordan. So which one is it? Which one is it? To which the Lord says, Hakeh said, watch this, this is incredible Gemara. Hakeh said, B'Shiva Ba'adr Meis Moshe, Moshe Rabbeinu died on the seventh of Adar, Upasak Man Mileret. It was when Moshe Rabbeinu died, the man stopped falling. The man stopped falling. But apparently, I will say, what ended up happening is, after Moshe Rabbeinu died, they went ahead and they subsisted on the man that they had collected in their utensils. So from Ad Shisha Sabinis until the 16th of Nisan. So I will say, this is pretty incredible. So from the 7th of Adar, so seventh of Adar, Moshe dies, the month stops falling. From the seventh of Adar to the sixteenth of Nisan, so essentially like a month, a month and nine days, a month and nine days, they subsisted from the man that they had accumulated in their utensils. So I say, so this this schema is actually pretty dramatic on a variety of levels. First of all, it sounds like maybe right before Moshe Rabbeinu died, there was an abundance of man that fell. That's number one. Number two, the second miracle says, remember again, normally you couldn't what? You couldn't store man. You couldn't store man. The whole chap of man is that you accumulated the man you needed for the day. And after that, whatever you tried to save, it would spoil. would spoil. So apparently some type of miracle occurred. But here's what happened. Moshe Aminu dies on the seventh of Adar. And then again, they accumulate the man. They subsist on that man until the 16th of Nisan. I will say, then what happened? Now the Pasuk makes sense. Then on the 16th of Nisan, they no longer had man. So what did they eat? What did they eat? They ate grain in Eretz Yisrael. But it's not the pshat that they waited until the 16th of Nisan to eat the man in Eretz Yisrael because they wanted to go ahead and offer up the carbon Omer. Rather, they waited until the 16th of Nisan. Why? Because they didn't need to eat grain until that point in time. Incredible. Tanya Idach. O Yisrael achla saman arba'im shana. Klal Yisrael ate the man for 40 years. Vehi arba'im shana achlut. Klal Yisrael ate man for 40 days. They didn't eat man for 40 years. Valo arba'im shana chaser shloshim yom achlu. We'll say, in fact, Klal Yisrael ate man, ate man 40 years minus 30 days. Minus 30 days. And I will say, why minus 30 days? Because when we left, when we left Egypt, remember again, we took provisions with us. Right? Rashi points out Ultimately, again, we subsisted on the, on the bread, on the matzah, that we took with us from Egypt. So we really ate man for 40 years minus 30 days. First 30 days, we subsisted on what we brought from Egypt. So what is that teaching? This incredible Gemara. Ugos showed Siyam in Mitzrayim, Ta'amu Bahem Ta'am Man. So say, but what do you see from here? You see from here that the food that we took out of Egypt, right, that we prepared and took out of Egypt, were endowed with the taste of Man. 
So the Pasuk says we ate man for 40 years. So for, so for 39 years and 11 months, it was actual man. For the first month, it was the food that we brought out of Egypt, but that food was endowed with the taste of man, with the flavor of man, and therefore the Pasuk treats it as if we consumed man for 40 years. They will say, what, what does that mean? That the food we took out of Egypt went ahead and tasted like man. So they will say, man, man is food from the Ribono Shal Olam. So how could something that man makes ultimately taste like food from the heavens? So I will say, perhaps these sort of like this, kind of tied into what I was saying before as well. When a person infuses Ruchnius into his Gashmius, the Gashmius tastes like Ruchnius. Meaning what? That here, when Klal Yisrael left Egypt, we'll say we were preparing provisions. Can you imagine? What, what, think about a Jew leaving Egypt. Right? A Jew leaving Egypt is preparing food for his family. Where is he going? What is he doing? How is this all going to work? And the answer is, he has no idea. So why is he going? Like we read, like we read in Zichronos, in, in Chazar Sashatz, on Rosh Hashanah, Zacharti Lach Chased Nurayich, Avas Kilulosayich, says, I remember, I remember the love of our youth. Because Baruch says to us, I remember the passionate love of our youth. That's a reference to us in HaKadosh Baruch Hu, when we were a fledgling nation. You followed me out into the desert and you had no idea where you were going. So I will say, when we were in Egypt, we prepared food to follow HaKadosh Baruch Hu out into the desert. And if somebody would have asked, where are you going? So he would have said, not sure. And who are you following? The Ribono Shalom. And why? Because he said so. He was saying, that's love. That's commitment. That is the pinnacle of Ruchnius. When you prepare your food, when you prepare your physical food with that level of Ruchnius, that Gashmi, that physical food, becomes something holy, becomes something spiritual. That physical food begins to taste like man. And isn't that the goal in life? The goal of life is to infuse our, ruch, our gashmios with ruchmios. And when you do that, your gashmios will taste like ruchmios. Incredible. So, one of those weiter. Tanya Yidah. Yimar goes weiter. B'shiva ba'adr meis Moshe. Moshe Benu died on the seventh of Adar. Or B'shiva ba'adr Nolad. Moshe Benu was born on the seventh of Adar as well. Minayishi B'shiva ba'adr meis. How do we know that Moshe Benu died on the seventh of Adar? It's actually very interesting. Shneemar. Vayomaz sham Moshe ever Hashem. Right, Moshe Rabbeinu, the servant of Hashem, died there. So obviously, the Torah doesn't record the date of Moshe Rabbeinu's death. Otherwise, we wouldn't have this question. So the Torah tells us that Moshe Rabbeinu died. Okay, The Pasuk also says that Klal Yisrael cried for Moshe Rabbeinu on the Arvos Moav, on the Transjordanian lands, for 30 days. So, Moshe Hashem. And then the Bosik says, after Moshe died, so Yoshua takes over. Okay. Uksiv Moshe Avdimis Viata Kum Avar. Bosik says Hashara says to Moshe to Yoshua, Moshe died, Yoshua takes them across the Jordan. Uksiv Avru Bikaravamachana, Vitsavu Asa Amlimar, Hechino Lachem Tseda, prepare for yourself food. So Yoshua says to Kalaiz, prepare yourself in three days. We're passing through the Jordan. We're going in. And the Pasuk says that Klal Yisrael passed over the Jordan when? On the 10th of Nisan. 
on the tenth of Nisan. So we'll say, see, here's what we know, right? So just let's do the math. So Klal Yisrael passes over on the tenth of Nisan. Passed over the right, literally again, passed over, crossed the Jordan on the tenth of Nisan. And we'll say, back up, back up. There were three days of prep before they were going ahead and crossing over the Jordan. And before that, 30 days of mourning for Moshe Rabbeinu. Which means, there were 33 days between the death of Moshe Rabbeinu and the crossing over the Jordan. If they crossed the Jordan on the 10th of Nisan, which is a date that we know, back it up 33 days, and what do you have? 7th of Adar. 7th of Adar. So the Gemara says, Backtrack, back it up, 33 days. So we'll say, it's incredible. That's how we know, that's how we know that Moshe Rabbeinu died on the 7th of Adar, based on the Pesukim of Yoshua, because Moshe Rabbeinu dies 30, died 33 days before we entered into the land of Israel. How do we know that Moshe Rabbeinu was born on the 7th of Adar? I'm sorry. Ben Mea Vesim Shana Ashana Anochi Hayom, Lo Ucha E Old Lasis Vilavo. So Moshe Abenu says, I am 120 years old today. So the Gemara says, Shein Tamud Lomar Hayom. There was no reason for Moshe Abenu to add in the word today. Ma Tamud Lomar Hayom. Why did it say today? Malamin Shakal Ishparoku Yoshef Umamalish no same shall Sadikim, Miyom Miyom, Omechodesh Lachodesh. Shenemar Es Mispar Yamecha Amale. And I will say, and Moshe, Moshe Abinu says that, says this passage, this was his last day on this earth. So he says, I'm 120 years old today. Today. Now why today? So today ultimately means that Moshe Abinu was saying, today is my birthday. Right? Today is my birthday. Today is a very unique day. Why well, I will say, the Ribbon Shalom allows Sadiqim to fulfill out, to fulfill their days in this world. As Mispari Yamecha Amalei, I will literally again fill out your days in this world. So we'll say tzaddikim often come into this world and leave this world on the same day. What's the logic of that? The logic is that what it represents is a complete unit of life. So Moshe Rabbeinu comes into this world on the 7th of Adar. I should say, we know that he leaves this world on the 7th of Adar. And the fact that it says, I am 120 years old today, I guess you have to say today. Today means Moshe Rabbeinu says, this is my birthday. This is my birthday, which represents the complete unit of my life, and this is the day I take leave of you. Incredible. Tanya Rabbos Hagim Rabbaisa says, Rabbi Shem Yachayom Rashbi says, Shalosh mitzos nistav Yisrael b'knisas la'aretz, v'noagos b'in ba'aretz b'in b'chutz la'aretz. There are three mitzos that Klal Yisrael were commanded to perform when we entered into Eretz Yisrael, but yet they applied both in Eretz Yisrael and outside of Eretz Yisrael. Right, and it makes sense ultimately again that they should apply. So the Gemara says, now what are the three mitzvos? Rashi says the three mitzvos were chadash, arla, and kilayim. Chadash, arla, and kilayim. Right, so chadash, the prohibition to eat the new grain before the omer has been offered. Right, arla, not consuming the fruit of a tree for the first three years. And kilayim, forbidden mixtures, not consuming forbidden mixtures. So these three mitzvahs were given to us when we entered into Eretz Yisrael, which was, remember again, we didn't need them in the Midbar, right? We didn't need them in the desert. Why not? Why not? We weren't planting anything. Right? So remember again, if you're not planting anything, you don't need these. So we were commanded about these as soon as we entered into Eretz Yisrael, yet 
they apply inside Eretz Yisrael and outside of Eretz Yisrael as well. So the words of Uad and Shinago makes sense. Which again is not an eternal Isser, because remember again it only applies to you offer up the carbon Omer. And there's no Isser Hanal, right? It's not a prohibition to benefit from Chadash, only consumption. And furthermore, again, that which is prohibited becomes permitted. And yet it applies both in Eretz Yisrael and in Chosdars. Kilaim, then forbidden mixtures, she surin isra olam, that are forever prohibited, vi surin isra, now you can't get hana from kilaim, vein heterli surin, and it never becomes permitted. Eno din shina go be maris be mechosarats. It makes sense that it applies both in Eretz Yisrael and in Chosarats as well. Vuadin la arla bishtaim, and the same applies by our law, ultimately again in two ways. Number one, Number one, Arla is an Israel, you can't get benefit from it. And ultimately, again, that which is prohibited never becomes permitted. So, both say, so essentially, again, these three missiles given to Klal Yisrael as soon as we enter into Eretz Yisrael, but yet they apply both in Eretz Yisrael and outside of Eretz Yisrael. And the Gemara essentially makes it a Kavachomer. If Chadash, which is a relatively lenient prohibition, applies in Eretz Yisrael and Chutzlars, it's certainly Kilayim and Arla will apply outside of Eretz Yisrael as well. Good. Rabbi Rabbi Allah's Rabbi Shimon Rabbi Allah's Shimon says on the days Kol Mitzvah Shenetstavu Yisrael Kodim Knisasan Laaretz Noheges Bein Baaretz Bein Bechutz Laaretz The Acher Knisasan Laaretz Eino Noheges Ella Baaretz Rabbi Allah says that's very interesting. Rabbi Allah has a different model. Rabbi Allah says that Halacha Lamaisa any mitzvah that we were commanded to perform before we entered into Eretz Yisrael applies both in and out of the land. Any mitzvah that ultimately, again, any mitzvah that we were only commanded to perform once we entered into the land only applies in the land itself. Look at Rashi, Tab Rashi, So ultimately, again, what the realizer is saying is like this. Any mitzvah we were commanded to perform before we enter into the land, they will say, "What type of mitzvah can you be? Can you be? Can you be commanded to perform before you enter? The, before you enter into the land, a chovas right? That's the only kind of mitzvah we could have performed before we entered into Eretz Yisrael. So any mitzvah we were commanded to perform before we entered into Eretz Yisrael applies in Eretz Yisrael and outside of Eretz Yisrael. Any mitzvah we were commanded to perform once we entered into Eretz Yisrael only applies in Eretz Yisrael." And not outside of Eretz Yisrael. Okay, so I will say. So we're going to see exactly what Rabbi Lazar is saying in just a moment, because it sounds like perhaps he's maybe he's arguing on what? Maybe he's arguing on Chadash, Arla, and Kilayim, right? Because remember again, I will say everyone agrees. When were those mitzvahs given to us? When were they given to us? Once we entered into the land. Now remember again, this gets back to Moshe of what Moshe means. But again, hold on to it. Chutz. Now the exception is. Very interesting. The exception to this Rabbosai is Hashmatas Ksatim. Hashmatas Ksatim is the concept that Shemitah cancels debts and Shiluach Avadim. Shiluach Avadim is the emancipation of slaves during the Yovel year. Rabbosai, both of these mitzvahs were given to us once we entered into the land. Yet Rabbi Lazar says, my rule applies. So again, Rabbi Lazar's rule is, if it was given in Eretz Yisrael, then what? Then what? Then what? It only applies in Eretz Yisrael. 
the exception to this rule, two exceptions. Number one, cancellation, Shemitah, cancellation of debts, which although it was given in Eretz Yisrael, applies everywhere, and emancipation of slaves during Yovel, which as much as it was given in Eretz Yisrael, applies everywhere. Applies everywhere. All right, so let's analyze this. Shavapi, even though, again, these two mitzvahs of Shemitah cancellation of debts and emancipation of slaves were given there to Israel, they still apply everywhere. So let's analyze. I don't understand. Cancellation of debts during the Shemitah year, of course that applies in Chotz Laaretz. I'll say, why? That's a Chovas HaGuf. That's, remember again, I'll say, the, the only discussion about whether or not certain mitzvahs apply outside of the land are missiles which somehow are tethered in agricultural geographic realities, like Chadash, or like Arla. But everyone agrees with us that any mitzvah that is on the guf, is a chobas, a guf is on the gavras, on the individual, of course applies in Chotzlar. So we'll say, Hashmatas Ksafim, the idea that Shemitah cancels the debt, ultimately, again, that's a chobas, a guf, that's a chobas, gavra, that's on the individual. Of course it should apply in Chotzlar. So we'll say, watch this. No, because the following situation is this. This Rabbi Omer, This is the rule, or this is the law of Shemitah. Shamot. So the Gemara says, Torah speaking about two different Shemitahs. There are two different Shemitahs. One is the Shemitah ultimately of the land, i.e. you have to allow the land to lay fallow, don't work the land. And the other is Shemitah's Ksafim, which is cancellation of debts. So I would have said as follows. Bizman Sha'ata Mishsonari would have said. The Allah is as follows. Bizman Sha'ata Mishamit Karka, Ata Mishamit Ksafim. When Rabosai, when we'll call it agricultural Shemitah is in effect, so loan Shemitah is in effect. In other words, when you allow the lay to land, when you allow the land to lay fallow, that is when Shemitah cancels debts. But when there is no Shemitah of the land, ultimately again, Shemitah doesn't apply. And that is Halacha Lamaisa. That is Halacha Lamaisa. In other words, the two Shemitahs are connected. So when you have actual, we'll call it geographic or, or agricultural Shemitah, so Shemitah of loans apply as well. When you don't have agricultural Shemitah, the cancellation of debts doesn't apply. I says the Gemara ve'ima. So I would have said b'makom shata mishamit karka ata mishamit ksafim or b'makom shenata mishamit karka inata mishamit ksafim. So I would have thought to extend this, and I would have thought to say you should say the same halacha in the place, i.e., geographically, geographically where shmita applies, shmita, agricultural shmita applies. That's where cancellation of debts applies as well, but where agricultural shmita doesn't apply. So cancellation of debts shouldn't apply as well. They both say agricultural Shemitah only applies where? Only applies where? In Eretz Yisrael. So therefore, I would have thought maybe cancellation of debts also only applies in Eretz Yisrael. So the Gemara says, Talmud Lomar, Kikara Shemitah Lashem Mikomakom. Therefore, the Pazik says it is a Shemitah Ta Hashem. And I both say that tells me that ultimately, again, Shemitah's Ksafim, cancellation of debts, applies everywhere. And I will say that is the Halacha, right? That's why today, again, we still do a Prusbal, Right, even outside of Eretz Yisrael, if you don't want Shemitah to cancel your debts. So I will say, so again, 
what you have over here are two different models. On one hand, you have on one end you have the Tanakama. You have I'm sorry, Rabbi Shimon Bayochai telling us that there are three mitzvahs we were given. We were given when we entered into the land, right? Chadash Arlan Kilayim, and even though they were given in the land, they apply everywhere, right? Then you have Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi, Rabbi Shimon saying normally any mitzvahs given to us in the land only apply in the land. Any mitzvahs given to us outside of the land apply everywhere. Exception to the rule is. Shemitah cancellation of debts and emancipation of slaves, which although they were given in the land, apply everywhere. Apply everywhere. So now, now we've just spoken about Shemitah's cancellation of debts. Next, Shiluach Avadim. So was Rabbi Lezer, you, in Rabbi Eliezer of Shimon's model, in Rabbi Lezer of Shimon's model, so again, emancipation of slaves also applies outside of Eretz Yisrael. So it says the Gemara, remember again, when is emancipation of slaves? When is that? When is that? Yovel. So Shiluach Avadim, Chovas So once again, I will say, the emancipation of slaves is a Chovas right? That's on, that's on me, that's on the individual, that's not, that's not on the land. So of course it should apply in Chutz Laretz, to which the Gemara says, Adaitam, you know, Holy Luxiv, since the Pasuk says, Ukrasem Durar Ba'aretz, you shall proclaim freedom throughout the land, Ba'aretz in, the land of Bosa means Eretz Yisrael. So maybe emancipation of slaves only applies in Eretz Yisrael and not in Chutz Laaretz. To which the Pasik says, The Pasik says, it's Yovel. And that means, again, Yovel, he means it's Yovel wherever you are. Wherever you are. And therefore, emancipation of slaves occurs to whatever we'll say, so obviously no matter Evan Kinani over here, right? Emancipation of slaves ultimately again, sorry, Evan Ivory, excuse me, right? Emancipation of slaves ultimately again occurs wherever you are. Fine. So if that's the case, then why does the Pazic say Baaret in the land when it speaks about emancipation of slaves? Teach me, it's only when Yovel applies in Eretz Yisrael and therefore triggers emancipation that there's emancipation in Chutz Laaretz. So in other words, the emancipation of slaves in Chutz Laaretz is, is tethered or is rooted in the fact that Yovel is actually occurring in Eretz Yisrael. But if Yovel doesn't apply in Chutz Laaretz, sorry, in Eretz Yisrael, then then the emancipation doesn't apply in Chutzlars. Okay, so let's analyze a bit more. So so again, it's really this fascinating ongoing machlokes about again, so there's there's now really two things happening over here. There's number one in general, what do you do with Moshev? Right? So that's kind of like our overarching machlokes about how you interpret that word. And then kind of the, the, the subset of that machlokes is how do you look at mitzvot that were only given to us once we entered into Eretz Yisrael? So do we say that if given in Eretz Yisrael, it only applies in Eretz Yisrael? Or maybe not, maybe not. Even mitzvot given in Eretz Yisrael weren't meant to be limited to the land, to, to, to actual Eretz Yisrael itself, but can apply everywhere. So these two, these two major machloksim unfolding right in front of us. So Tanan Hasam, let's go back there. Tanan Hasam, ha-chadash asr min atar b'chamakam. Chadash is Asr everywhere? Minat Torah. Minat Torah. There's the Isr Da'oraisa of Chadash applies both in Eretz Yisrael and in Chuzlars. Arla, Halacha. Arla is Halacha. And I will say, it will have to see exactly what Halacha means. Va'kilayim midirei sovrim. And kilayim that they apply in Chuzlars is a Dirabaman. 
So my halacha, by the way, I will say, what does it mean when we say that Arla, right? The fact that Arla applies in Chutzar is a halacha. Amrav Yehuda, Amr Shmuel, Hilchas Medina. So I'll say, Rav Shmuel, it says Hilchas Medina means it was a practice that was accepted. Hilchas Medina, it was a common practice accepted. Ula Amrav Yochanan, halacha lemoshe misinai. Ula said to Rav Yochanan, no, no, no. It's halacha lemoshe misinai that Arla applies in, in Chutzar. So we'll say, we'll stop over here for today. So again, Fundamental machlokis. So here's what everybody. So I'll say here's what's fascinating. What everyone seems to be agreeing on is that chadash is asr daraisa even in chutzlaris. What everyone also seems to be agreeing on is that kilayim forbidden mixtures. Everyone is going to agree is quote unquote only in isidr abanan. The machlokis is arla. Is arla simply a practice that was observed, or ultimately Allah halamoshim sinai resolution in miyatashan torah balsai shkoyach. All right, everyone, you have a great day, everyone.